Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise God, a friend indeed. Today is a special day, and uh, this is a special weekend for us as a nation. And I'm glad that for many, it's not just another reason to be drunk, not just another reason to party, not just another reason, but... I'm thankful that we're going to honor those that have given so much so that we might be here today. I mean, I'm going to ask Brother Farrell Michael, if he will, to come. And uh, we're going to turn uh, our attention for the next few moments uh, to a special presentation for this Memorial Day. Amen. would you give them, uh, those that are going to be participating today, a hand? Amen. Let's make them welcome this morning. Some of you probably don't know who I am or where I came from. I am Tech Sergeant Joe Farrell Michael, retired from the United States Air Force. I was born 82 years ago in a little board shack out the woods that my father built in the late 20s about five miles southwest of this church in Lafette County. My mother named me after two preachers, Reverend Joe Bell of the Baptist faith and Reverend Farrell of the Methodist faith. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised if my surname wasn't derived from the Archangel Michael. I'm wearing this uniform in a remembrance of my Air Force career and the countless other men and women that gave their service to the greatest nation in the world to preserve the freedom that we all enjoy every day. Many take this freedom for granted without thinking of the sacrifice that thousands have made by shedding their blood and giving their lives. My military career began on the ninth day of December, 1952, when I was 19 years old. My dad and mom carried me to Lake City to catch the bus that took me to Jacksonville, where I was sworn in. The next day, we boarded a train that took us to San Antonio, Texas, 
We arrived there the next afternoon and was met by a bus that took us to Lackland Air Force Base where I received my basic training. After becoming acquainted with our training instructor, we were introduced to our new home, which was a two-story wooden barracks. The next morning, we were marched to the barber shop where we received our notorious haircut. <laughs> then we were marched to the dispensary where we were greeted by two rows of smiling medics with syringes in their hands. We stripped off our shirts and proceeded to watch, walk the gauntlet. Most of us made it through with blood streaming down both arms, but some fainted when they saw those big needles <laughs> streaming down their arm. Well, I did complete 12 weeks of basic training, even though I endured a bad case of flu during the time. At the end of basic, we were given a test to see what we were best qualified for. I guess I was mechanically inclined or else they needed aircraft mechanics at that time. Anyway, they sent me to Amarillo Air Force Base in Texas to a jet aircraft maintenance school that lasted about three months. Then I suppose that they thought that we needed a few days off to recoup from that stressful ordeal. So they gave me a two weeks leave to be with the folks back home, which I really enjoyed. Then I was off to my first permanent station assigned to the 305th Bomb Wing at McNeil Air Force Base, Florida, with B-47 bombers. Where I was, when I arrived, I was assigned to the J-47 jet engine shop where the bomber engines were completely disassembled and repaired and reassembled. In August of 1953, I married my first wife. <coughs> Three months later, the whole wing of bombers and support equipment went TDY to Bryce Norton Air Force Base in England for three months. And while there, we went down to a base in Citizen Maine, North Africa, in French Morocco, for a week. Then we came back to Bryce Norton and then back to MacDill. That was quite a trip. Five months later, I got orders for an 18-month tour to Chamont Air Force Base, France, which is about 60 miles north of Paris and was assigned to the 492nd Fighter Bomber Squadron there, and I was made a crew chief on one of the F-86 Sabrejet fighters. While there, we went several times to Furstenfeldbruck, Germany, near Munich, where our pilots flew border patrol, and to Tripoli, North Africa, for gunnery practice. When my time was up in France, I got orders to Greenville, for Greenville, Mississippi, Greenville Air Force Base, Mississippi, and the Air Training Command, crewing T-33 jet trainers. On the eighth day of December 1956, I was discharged and went back to Dixie County to my old home place. That didn't work out too good, so in September 57, we went back to Greenville, Mississippi, and I re-enlisted in the Air Force, doing the same thing I was doing before I was discharged. 
1961, I got orders for Bartow Air Force Base in Florida for a month's training on a T-37 twin-engine primary jet trainer. And from there to Williams Air Force Base in Chandler, Arizona, which is near Tucson, as a crew chief on the T-37. Then in 1963, I got orders for Alconbury Air Force Base in England, which is about 60 miles north of London. My wife joined me there a few months later, and we spent three years there. I was assigned as a crew chief on a RB-66 twin-engine reconnaissance bomber, and after three months, I was sent, after a few months, I was sent to Shaw Air Force Base in Sumter, South Carolina for training on the F-4 Phantom. After returning to Alcaberry, I was assigned as crew chief on the base commander's F-4, receiving the Outstanding Crew Chief Award for my endeavor. In 1966, I was assigned to Davis-Mothan Air Force Base in Arizona, near Tucson, and was promoted to flight chief on the F-4 Phantom. In 1968, I received orders to go to Karat Royal Air Force Base in Thailand for 12 months assigned to the 34th Fighter Bomber Squadron, nicknamed the Flying Tigers, as flight chief on the F-4 Phantom. From there, I went to England Air Force Base in Alexandria, Louisiana, as flight chief on the A-37 trainers and OJT supervisor. My last assignment was at Cannon Air Force Base, New Mexico, as flight chief on the F-111, and I remained there until my retirement in October 1973. Now I will fill you in on a few things that transpired during my career in the Air Force. In 1954, during my stay at MacDill Air Force Base, they filmed a segment of the movie Strategic Air Command, starring Jimmy Stewart, Frank Lovejoy, and June Allison which was quite exciting to watch that going on. Then while I was stationed at Chamont, France during one of my, our trips to Tripoli, North Africa, as we were flying back to Chamont at night aboard a C-119, that's a twin engine flying boxcar. Some of you might know what I'm talking about. And it was about an hour out over the Mediterranean Sea when we flew into a storm and lightning hit our plane, which made a big fireball on the left wing and a loud bang. Needless to say, we had a few anxious moments during that time. We were wearing parachutes, so we jumped up and headed for the back door to jump if the signal was given. I sure wasn't happier thinking about having to jump out of that plane at night in the cold Mediterranean Sea. But as it turned out, the grace of God, the plane wasn't damaged too bad, and we made it back okay. When my first enlistment was up in December 1956 I was, and was discharged, I thought that I had enough of the Air Force, so we returned to the farm where I was raised and settled in on my mom and dad's old house and began to farm. We had just finished renovating the house and moved in, and about a month later, it caught fire and burned down. 
We were gone when it happened, so nothing was saved. We lost everything. I still think that it was the grace of God that it happened the way it did because we weren't yet anchored down into the farming business too much. Uh, so by September of 1957, we had made arrangements to leave there and go back to Greenville, Mississippi and re-enlist in the Air Force. So we packed up all our worldly possessions in the trunk of our old 1953 Ford and made it back to Greenville. In December, when, when I was stationed in Alconbury, my wife and I heard about this English lady that was destitute with three or four small children and was about to give birth to another baby and was wanting to give it up for adoption. So we went to see the lady several times and talked with her about her wishes of wanting her baby to have a better place than the one they would have there. We went to the authorities and began adoption procedures. When this baby girl was born on the 20th day of May, 1964, in Willenboro, England, 51 years and four days ago, we were at the hospital to be near her when she was born. A few days later, we brought her home. Oh, what a blessing. And we were on Clyde Cloud Nine. Then one night in 1968 in Karat, Thailand, as we were preparing our planes for their missions, the munitions crew was loading a 750-pound mine oil bomb under the wing of one of the planes that I was in charge of. When it accidentally fell off the bomb loader onto the ramp. This type of bomb is very unstable and is designed to explode if jarred by a six inch drop. By the grace of God, it didn't, and no one was hurt, although one of the men on the crew fainted from fright. <laughs> <clears throat> Things were pretty much uneventful from then on until my retirement in October 1973. We returned to Brantford and built a house in the north end of Dixit County near my folks. In 1975, I gained employment with the Department of Corrections and settled in with a normal lifestyle until 1978, when our beautiful, precious daughter that we love so much was diagnosed with leukemia. <clears throat> when she succumbed to that horrific disease, 18 months later, on the 23rd of August, 1979, At the age of 15, my whole world crumbled when this happened to our precious daughter. It caused a lot of whys that couldn't be answered. Only God knows these things. It was almost more than I could, could bear. But God gave me enough strength with his love and mercy to pull me through those painful and agonizing ordeal 
that I have ever endured, and I will never forget over it. <coughs> Thank you, Brother Boyd and church for allowing me to stand here on this hallowed spot and relate to you some of my past. God has blessed me in many ways during my life, 82 years, and by his love and mercy, I have overcome a lot of dark spots. <clears throat> by allowing me, by allowing his Holy Spirit to abide in my heart. After all the ups and downs I have endured, I know that I am a blessed man. I have <clears throat> been able to visit some of the world from the throne of the Queen of England to the Buddhist temple in Thailand. And I have yet to see any country that can be compared with what we have been blessed with in this place we call home. Amen. Without the, the sacrifice of thousands of men and women that have gave of themselves to protect the freedom that we so deeply enjoy every day, there is no telling what our circumstances would be now. Freedom is not free, my friends. Everything has a price. Jesus Christ endured the supreme price by sacrificing his life to free us from our sins if we will only believe. But we must sacrifice the wants and desires of this wicked world to be free and be saved. It is up to us. To quote some of the words from a speech that President John F. Kennedy made, ask not what your country can do for you, but what can you do for your country? Ladies and gentlemen, there is a lot of wisdom in those words, and it would behoove us all to heed them. Thank you for your patience, and may God bless you. I salute you, one and all. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.